Hello and welcome to the RevX podcast. We are back with the uh, next installment in our job search series. Um, Coming to you on Thursday will be the first episode of our new series called Voices, which talks to creative people um, about the things they create, particularly if they're vocal performance involved, but also about their background, their personal life, and about uh, other things that they find important and have something to say about. So voices and multiple meanings. Um, And then next week we will have the return of All American Fake Crime Podcast, which will be back after the holiday break. So we look forward to that. Speaking of the internet, uh, I guess how would... You recommend, I want to kind of shift this to online profiles. So not just like, I mean, I can't take things off of Facebook. Well, I could take things off of Facebook, but like, I mean, first of all, I'm a creative comms person. So like they need to see that I can make random things. Um, But also like, I guess in terms of LinkedIn, how would I say that I know specific skills, which it's like, it's something I've done once. So how do you really weigh what you're actually skilled in or kind of like stretch skills as I call them? I would say like if you, if someone was, if you were in an interview and someone was like, oh, can you do this thing right now? And you're like, ah, not so much. Like maybe don't put that on there. Mm-hmm. If you could, like there are some skills that I have that I'm like, I could definitely figure out how to do this in the moment by like Googling it. Obviously like, I'm not talking about the tech-specific coding <laughs> specific stuff. That That's I actually how we do everything. <laughs> I'm not the only one. But I would say, like, if it's something that you've done a few times and would feel comfortable doing it on the first day of your job if you had to put it, if someone's like, can you actually juggle, like, balls that are on fire, and you're like, no, I cannot confidently do that, then maybe don't put someone on there. Um, yeah, so I mean, something like like Sean is saying he's an Excel wizard, and like I mean, I've obviously worked in Excel because I've worked in an office. I've done data, but I really wouldn't call myself an expert in Excel. But I know how to use it. Yeah. So is that kind of one? Like, if they asked me to do some like really specific code um, yeah. equation, like I couldn't get it, but like I can do pivot tables. Well, scale it. Okay. Scale it, right? Mm-hmm. You do pivot uh, tables. You're an expert. If you're, yeah, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, true. you really couldn't be a. You could be a junior bad business analyst off the bat, and basically, you look at the. You really want to look at the uh, length of experience that they're looking for yeah. in these positions. Uh, stretch skills, I think, you can get away with a lot more in entry level positions, or it's like uh, maybe like an entry level for that particular position, even though you may need to have experience outside of that outside of that role before you move into it. So like, for example, a business analyst, some people won't hire a business analyst until you've already been, been at work, yeah. work for a few years. So don't think that entry level just means that's a terrible job that'll pay you like peanuts, because some, some of these jobs actually do pay well. But if you do have to do a pivot table, then you already have the basic skill sets to be like a junior level business analyst, or uh, like, if, as I said, I have but referred to as business analyst, operations analyst, program analyst, look at all. Uh, a program analyst position might be better too if you don't have a lot of experience because then you can um, transition over to a business analyst once you build more technical skills. So you also kind of like, when you're scaling, you can look outward from the base role, like what are the most closely related fields? Like uh, when, you're a re- when you do a research, when you do program work, 
those kinds of jobs are uh, going to be related to the business analyst and we will require some technical skills, but they'll be more of a 50-50 role. Nah, I'm just sitting behind the computer doing Excel spreadsheets 40 hours a week. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, I think you can also stretch in tech more than a lot of people admit. Uh, I think the cl classic example of that is if you know like Salesforce looks kind of the same as what you're doing right now, but you may have an internal product, you think of probably <laughs> because uh, you know the you know the language, yeah. like yeah. you know the, the lingo. You just need to do a little brush up on Salesforce. You know it's practically the same thing. I mean, like I know what I'm looking for in a program that does. Yeah. So but, like I don't know the exact program. Okay. So yeah, if that's the case, then a stretch works. But if you don't have any background in anything whatsoever, <laughs> or you only just like touched it a few times, and you don't really have expertise. Like, don't overstate your knowledge, but if you have, like, very relatable skills that can translate over. But also pay attention to the job. Like, if yeah. it's a job where the stretch skill that you're offering is the number one job thing, then don't put that one in there. If it's something that you're, it's like 2% of the job time, say, I've done that before. Right. You know, like, you say that I could figure it out, you, you, so you communicate that, and you, but you don't, you don't, when it's a key part of the job, if they list it first, you better know how to do it. Mm -hmm. That's the way. So pay attention to the their language. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah. frequently on the secondary things. Like yeah. they'll tell you Absolutely. if you need to know Excel, you better know Excel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you uh, let's say Salesforce would be preferred, or they're like third or preferred. fourth. Preferred. Yeah. Yeah. Include a stretch skill on a preferred. Totally. Always. Yeah. yeah. But not required. <laughs> on a required, you better know it. Yeah. <laughs> or better be able to know it by the day if you start. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I also think about what you want to spend your time doing, right? If you don't yeah. really want to spend your time doing pivot tables, then maybe don't. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if you don't love doing pivot tables, but you know there's a marketing position next to me. You love pivot tables. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. I do. But I don't want to work in Excel. Chill, you had a question. No, I was going to say, I, I come across jobs often that I'm confident that I have the skills to do that job. But I don't have the official certifications mm -hmm. to, like, say that I'm qualified. Yeah. Like, I have, I have a pretty in-depth knowledge of special needs, and I can work really well with developmental and physical special needs with young children. But I don't have an official, I don't have a degree in early childhood special ed. I, but I have a lot of experience. <coughs> so how can I list those things separately? Because I, I can't say I'm qualified without the like legal certifications, but I definitely have experience. So say that. Yeah, say yeah. has two plus years experience working with special needs children, like in the cover letter and the resume, like as the objective or the header. Mm -hmm. Just say. Even... And then your free time, get the certification. Yeah. yeah. Not a full well, degree, in my free but, but time, with all the yeah. extra income sure, I have absolutely. from unemployment I know. benefits. No, I know that one too, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also a thing that like, there are pathways, even if they're very slow, to make that certification, yeah. Yeah. you know, official and not the full degree necessarily, but certificates matter, especially in your field. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. so certificate. look for yes. Like, are we talking CPR? Like, <laughs> <laughs> NCS is newborn care specialist, but also I have worked a lot with with working alongside physical therapists, and I have a lot of experience with high school special needs. It translates really well towards my infant toddler. Yeah. I will say, I mean, it might be harder than any field. It might be harder than any field, but 
even the certification <coughs> thing is where the stretch thing might come into play in certain instances. Uh, if they're not, uh, I would really, I'd really look at the post closely and like if they use very rigid terms like this is required uh, or if they're very broad in the way they approach the language and the, and their posting, then that might be a stretch situation. But what you could do is you submit a resume with your skills and be honest about it, that you don't have the certification. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even though it asks for the certification. So it can happen, it can work out sometimes because I think that really goes back to something Kenny said earlier about the unicorn. And I'll admit, and I hate to say it, but sometimes, especially because there may be medical needs like CPR, you need to be CPR certified, like working with kids, for example. But, but basically, just make sure, make, make sure, uh, make sure you know you, you you don't like discount those positions anymore. Honestly, like I have two or three stories where I applied for something and was like, this would be so much fun, but there is no way in hell I'm gonna get it. And I totally got the job and was there for two years. You know, so it's like. That's the job I've been at for five years, and I'll mm -hmm. probably be there until I make millions as a musician or a writer or something yeah, because absolutely. it's such a good job, and I never had a chance at it, and I totally got it. Yeah, yeah. I was qualified, but I applied, and I was like, no, no way I'm getting this one. But it was like what we talked about earlier, yeah. the timing thing. Yeah. yeah. It was right after – it was late in a political cycle, so all the good – it was late in 2012. Yeah. So all the good writers were hired – they were working. They were working for Obama. Or they were working for whatever. You and so there, there was. I got in there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I've often said, how did, how did, who did I trick into getting this? <laughs> I have a question. Um, when you have a job post and it has a certain yearly or yearly requirement, like you need five to ten years of experience or something like that, as an example, how realistic is that? Should you actually have five to ten years of experience? I, or like if you have <laughs> if you have four, are you like automatically disqualified for the job? I found that if they list that, like if, if they list that, they're pretty gonna keep to that. Okay. It's I've never even been like gotten an interview for something where if I had two years and they had and they asked for five. Okay. I think it depends on the field because Jess was gonna. Say I would say like I've had the opposite experience where I'm just like I ignore all of those things <laughs> and I'm gonna apply anyway and I still right. get interviews or like I still get to at least talk to someone and right. I've gotten offers for like I mean I didn't I don't always take them but like I've gotten offers for a job I'm just like I hundred percent do not have ten years of experience but that's okay and because it depends on what they're looking for. I think yeah. it depends on the job, it depends on the industry. Mm -hmm. And if you can already fulfill most of those things but you just you don't have the years, then it depends on the person, but like apply anyway. If you fit all of the other qualifications, it doesn't hurt. That's my general rule. Yeah. It never hurts to apply. Well, and if it's like entry level, I would say definitely apply. If it's for a director position, that's sure. where. No, no, no. And I'm saying like, because there are times I'm like, well, I could probably do that job. But if they're saying 10 years, I'm like, okay, not that. Now, they don't define, want to have to teach you. what you mean by entry level years. We're talking about years of experience. So, yeah. Oh, everything says three to five years. Right. Everything. Yeah. Nothing, nothing says less I than three years of experience. that don't. Um, I, I've started seeing in a lot of comms and marketing jobs, they're just listing 
the actual things you need to experience in without years. Yeah. Which is, I mean, first off, like, let's say social media, right? You can be a director of social media. Social media has been around, what, 15 years? Yeah. Like, you can't have 20 years of experience in social media. But you can. Uh, making up numbers. <laughs> you know? I'm literally, like, I know three other people. But the, uh, like, see, so there are three people in the whole world that have 20 years of social media experience. So not, like, you can't, it's unrealistic to put that on a job description, or job posting and expect people to be able to qualify for that. Although I can't say all the 20 years are relevant in that case. Uh, Mine they are, but that's, uh, that's, well, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's different though. Let me, yeah. let me think of two ways of kind of approaching this question. One is the uh, hard skill sets. Like if you really, really do have the hard skill sets, you really need to actually popcorn a little bit. My popcorn is like brainstorm ideas. What are things that you have done and how can they apply to that skill set? I think a lot of people sell themselves short uh, in their skill set. And that, like, for example, communications experience, like, did you have any role in communications in your job at a professional level whatsoever? Because there's a good chance, like, in these, some of these skill sets that they ask for, that the answer is actually yes. And uh, especially if you have, like, if you, like, started out doing it at a lower level and then hiding it over the last two or three years, like, if, let's say, they want six years, you've been working for six years, but you've only really been doing it professionally at a full-time pace for three, but remember, like, there was a graduation that got you to where you got to the six years, and a lot of times, uh, employers will interpret it liberally, uh, but I also want to get to the, kind of, like, the whole, I've worked as a government contractor before, and I've also worked in a government contract office and what I can tell you is when you're working for a government and some corporations follow this model as well major corporations follow this model is uh, you really absolutely need to make meet the numbers because there are technical requirements now what you should know about the government though is uh, especially if you're applying for a contract job uh, that they may ask for waivers and unfortunately you're at the mercy of a contract officer in another office of whether they'll waive the requirement or not. So, I mean, these things really do happen, and it's, I think, also happens in the corporate world, world where they have a complex HR system, and they may ask for a waiver, a, a requirement to hire you on. So don't, even in that government contract space, you might be able to, uh, to get there, because apparently the job that I did, and they, I actually had a, out of unemployment because of that when they changed contractors uh, was be, is because I was on a contract where all, the, all these certification requirements were waived because no one actually had them and like it was one of those unicorn situations where you can't you could uh, like you couldn't actually really get those certifications unless you were a federal employee once they but then they had to kind of like fight and fight and get you back in. So I, I would really say that, yeah, even government, you, government you don't necessarily discount it. Yeah, I mean, I'd say there's like, it de it, like as with most of these things, it depends on the jobs. With some jobs, there are strict legal requirements for experience. Right. Right. Um, and uh, most aren't, though. And so in most cases, if there's not a very strict legal requirement, it's not something super technical like what Nasser was talking about, you, you go for it. And if no one else has better than you, then you get it. So if they, they want five to ten years of experience and you have four and four is the most that applies, then you're pro they need to fill the job, they're going to pick you. So it's worth applying, particularly if you're close. Mm -hmm. If you're not quite – and everything else you meet and you're close on the minimum requirements, 
I've been hired on that many, many times. Mm -hmm. Not many, many times, because that's an exaggeration, but more than once. And I will say, if yeah. like, you've got four and they're expecting five to ten, like I said, lowered, lowered standards, but yeah. if you've got two and they're asking for five, then... Eh, and, if it's something like code, and if it's something like coding or writing or something like that, if your product is good, mm -hmm. right. they'll give you a lot more leeway on that. Right, because yeah. then, then if they can show me that uh, they can actually write the code I want them to when it's... Yeah. looks and it's readable then eh, you got two years and we want five then one other add on that is that in some of them when it's loose like that they'll actually if you're good enough and they can pay you less you'll get the job <laughs> yeah. and I mean that like as an, as an adjunct <laughs> as an adjunct I got classes non-stop because I got good or better teacher recommend like right. student evaluations and reviews and peer reviews and student reviews than almost everybody else that was full time in my position so they always gave me classes even especially since I only had a master's, so they could pay me less per hour than they paid the PhD person for the same class. But I'd get a better job than some of them. So it would be like they'll do that. But you know, so it's, it depends on the job, obviously. <laughs> Thank you. Or less the job than the field. It's more the field on that one, I think. Um, so a question I wanted to ask for going around the panelists again was. Um, What's something when you're searching for a job that you think someone could do to stand out in a crowded field? Because a lot of times the problem is is that this person's resume or this whatever doesn't jump out and grab people's attention. What's something that you could do that could actually, you like if you were on the committee, you would say, oh, that resume, I'm going to look, I'm going to move on to the next round, that kind of thing. I mean, I think it goes for me, it goes back to if they can show that they've researched my company and if they can, if they're pulling specifically go to their mission and their values and if you can work those words in like not obviously like don't copy and paste but if they say that they value like um, adaptability or if they value um, you know uh, time management skills like drop those in a couple of places into the template that you have for your resume and then actually show that like you've sat there and, and thought through or you've you know if you're looking for a front desk position right or an administrative position call and talk to the person that's there right now and just be like, hey, I just have a question, like, I'm applying some to another location or I'm applying somewhere else, like, what's the, like, can I pick your brain for a little while and see if you can learn a little bit more about the specific day-to-day -day and then throw that in the resume, throw that in the cover letter and that, because there are some companies that do use computer programs that search for specific words and if you don't use them, your resume gets thrown out. So I would say research specifically if there's one page to go to the vision mission and values and pull some keywords from there i've heard of people actually putting keywords into their resume in like 0. 0.005 font because <laughs> yeah, like, so, like yeah, yeah the automated yeah. The, the automated query or the automated software will just pick up on that yeah. and people will never split the yeah so that's, that's you want to try it you know at least for government jobs when I applied as a correspondence analyst last year I needed to have the keyword as a correspondence analyst because they actually put my resume through a machine and if I didn't have the keyword like 10 times or something right. it would automatically reject me regardless of what my skill set was anyway that's just a little government HR that's I, I, I actually advocate very much in my personal in benefit to my personal doing contract work 
uh, I think there's a lower bar to get in uh, to being a contractor. It's not sexy. Uh, some contract work downright sucks. But remember, this is your entire life. You don't have to do this stuff forever. I didn't do it forever. And by doing, by doing this, it really led me to a really good place because that contract work really gets you that foot in the door to gain the valuable experience to really, you know, so you're actually saying, okay, I'm close to five years, but I don't quite have five years, but now you actually have four. Whereas uh, if you just kind of like, basically it's just a matter of me saying is before you shoot to the moon, you know, basically throw some darts at the sky first before you go for the moon. Because when you're a contractor, you can keep building on the sets, and then you really actually have a profile to bring to that ultimate employer that's going to take you on. Uh, one of the best things that you can do is to make some connection on the inside so that someone on the inside draws attention to your application. Uh, it's much better if there's someone who is saying, hey, look out for this one. That's going to be much more effective than anything you try to do to make it stand out in the pile. Um, and LinkedIn is the best thing for that. Uh, be LinkedIn friends with your friends, with your anyone that you've worked with. You know, add them. Uh, and then look at the companies that you're applying for and see, do they have someone that they know who is a connection at that company? And ask them to connect you with that person. And then try to have a conversation with that person. And tease out with that person, if it goes well, you know, can they do anything to draw attention to your application? Personal connection. <laughs> I, I really do think it comes back to that. Yeah. I, at the end of the day, like even if you don't know someone, you can, you can know them. It is on you to like get to know the person. If this is something that you really want, and I know that's a lot to ask when you're like applying for like a hundred jobs or something, but it's not impossible. It just takes time. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, for like all of us, I think we've all been there. But that's that's been the reality for any job that I've either given or I've gotten. Like I'm just like well. It's a gut check. Like I'm like, okay, I, I like this person. Unfortunately, like I think this person would fit in well with like the company. I can't get that from a resume. I can't. I can maybe get a little nuance of that from a cover letter. But like until I have spoken to that person, I don't know how your personality is going to fit in at our culture or like on my team or like working with a specific editor. There's no way that I'm going to know that until I know you. And I know that's like hard when you haven't like hit the interview level yet, but you can, there are ways to make that connection. Well, and one thing we haven't mentioned is meetup.com. Like people have varying levels of success based on your industry on there. But I know as like an entrepreneur, as a coach, as someone that's like the mindfulness and the yoga, you know, like someone that's in like self-care and, and you know, self-help realm, like there are so many different <laughs> so definitely check on there. I mean, and then I know that in Raleigh, when I lived there, that's how I learned about, they have like a Chicks Who Code that I learned about from Meetup. You know, that's a really great resource. So I'll definitely Just, check just so you know, I know as for a fact that that exists here. Awesome. And there may be even multiple organizations. Probably, there's, yeah. there's Hacks Hackers of DC yeah. too that I've used. Yeah. We used to use Meetup for uh, drinking liberally, and lots of people met 
people that gave him jobs through drinking liberally. Oh, I got a campaign it. manager job out of it one night. Just ran <laughs> nice. And there were also we didn't um, win, LGBT focused <laughs> coding groups and also, uh, you know, for uh, people of, diverse, of different diverse backgrounds, you may be able to find a community within, within that as well. So think, uh, think beyond uh, just thinking in a very broad picture, but also Get specific about your personal background because you may be able to find something that fits. Now, of course, I'm very lucky I'm a white man, so I can get, you know, I'm, I've got the world in front of me. In fact, not in my career. My career is like, oh, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Not. The least yeah. likely to be hired is my career. But I also really advocate for that because I would like to see more, a little bit more diversity in my peers. Um, Amen. Yes. Uh, uh, but I also wanted to get a uh, touch really quickly on non-traditional because I know that the first place uh, that got me uh, the job that really got my career off the ground, like from dead and buried, was church. Yeah, so like, legit. if you're not like a super religious person but can tolerate some church, go to, uh, also, <laughs> uh, go to All Souls or your local Unitarian. Yeah, I'm Unitarian. Yeah, but yeah, go 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 to your go to your yeah. synagogue. I go definitely to temple, do. Go to yeah. Yeah, their my synagogue has a young professionals group. It's like very massive. Yeah, so, like I, oh. I do events with them. Like now, also. I'm a kind of church right now. Also, uh, dumb, uh, you know, the person that got me a job was not a young professional, so you know too. Uh, you probably do want to actually participate in groups outside of the young group. It's oh, great, yeah. and it's wonderful to make some really good friends to do the young professionals yeah. groups. But if you really start getting to know and find ways to get to know people of different age backgrounds, too, and different experience levels at, in their careers, there are some, like, I know that my church is, like, really strong with that. But if you're not a church person, I know that you really should get to know some of the people what some of the people do in karaoke Hell yeah. and some people who do like in improv and acting and there are some professionals in different backgrounds and you so if you really have like a passion outside of your profession you will probably meet at least somebody or a few people and that really can really open the doors broadly like we're all sitting here because of karaoke yep. and if you think about that <laughs> just imagine if you really I, no, we wouldn't all know each other I, if it wasn't I, I, for karaoke. Has to do with right, but I met you through karaoke, so. Right. I so. met everybody. <laughs> this event probably would have never happened. This is, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I've gotten a couple clients for coaching through karaoke. You yeah. know, like just. None of y'all want to have babies. So I got nothing. None of y'all want to have babies. Okay, we're not helping with that. No. But no, but long term that is a benefit though. If you're doing so, to take to take what Sean was saying one step further, it's not just church or religious organizations. It's any kind of social community that's built. You can find it's those places you should be connecting through. And I know you're not the only person I know that's gotten clients or gotten jobs through DK or other karaoke things. I also know a bunch of people have gotten karaoke jobs just from going to karaoke. The people that they hire to host them are people that go to them. And so it's like anything like that where you get to know the people. You become, oh, you're a regular here? Can you take over while I have to go to the bathroom or there's an emergency? And so it's like you can prove that you can do the job, then people are more likely to hire you. And so 
but as the second thing, and I wanted to go back to going back, and then we can go into other questions, but going back to the standing out thing, I have found that when I have put in something in the last section on the resume at the very end that's more personal or other or social, and it talks about things I'm doing outside of work, I've gotten an interview almost 100% of the time. Oh, cool. I haven't done it. I only started doing it relatively recently. And the idea was, is like, again, it goes back to, and we talked about this in the interview one, is that the number one thing that they're going to look for when they're looking for someone is someone that can do the job, but a very close second is someone they want to work with. Mm. And if you can put some personality, something into that dry ass, boring fucking document that a resume is, and this is one of the reasons where the cover letter gives you some freedom is like between the cover letter writing and a section, like I put a section on there that talks about that I do karaoke or I do this or do whatever, that I'm (laughs) doing a job search podcast. These things, I put them on there because that gives someone a, oh, and that's the that's that's what you want someone interviewing you or looking at your resume to go is like oh <clears throat> that because that means they're going to ask more oh, they want to know more every time they make that sound they and wanna... side note like I think I got my current teaching job because they were like is there anything else that you would like us to know about you and I was like I'm part of a competitive karaoke league <laughs> team yep. and they were just like we talked for ten more minutes yep. <laughs> about that after they were getting ready to wrap up the interview so again it's that speaks to culture that speaks to like personality. Yeah, one, one other thing, piggybacking on that idea, I think we might have touched on this at some point, but personal presentation and matching that to your industry mm. when you go for a job is super important. Like, um, my industry usually is very mm. casual unless that's within an industry that is very conservative. I did that. That was my first job in this area. I was a programmer for... Uh, uh, company that specifically worked with corporate aviation, which is hyper hyper conservative, and programmers are usually very liberal and uh, so and like relaxed, and so we had problems hiring because of that. But they wanted somebody who like had you know w- would come in dressed in like a shirt tie, pressed slacks, and like matching suit, and then you had to come in wearing a button down shirt and pressed pants every single day after that. Terrible. Yeah, and whereas now it was. <laughs> Awful. Whereas now in my current job, it's in uh, it's part of a healthcare publications team. So one of my former coworkers didn't bathe frequently. <laughs> like I'd, I'd be walking behind him, and I'd be walking in the funk yeah. cloud kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I would advise always bathe before doing any job related stuff. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> if for the nothing else in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> If for the sake of your coworkers, yeah. think of them. One last thing on the standout thing is be aware of what you, how you present yourself on the internet, on social media. I mean, like, I am not a serious human being in general, despite the fact that I do serious things, but I've, like, gone on an interview where someone's just like, so I saw that you were tweeting about Book of Mormon on your way here, <laughs> like, on my way to the interview, because I was listening oh to it, God. and I'm just like, this song is the best song, and then they're like, but I just saw it. I'm like, this is great. And we talked about yeah. Book of Mormon for like 15 minutes, right? And then it's like, Maybe oh, and now not. we have to like talk about other things. But like I've had people comment to me in like my professional industry, they're like, you are not a typical political journalist. I'm like, nope. And I have no intention of ever being yeah. that person. And that's why I have the job that I do now where I get to like 
have a personality amongst all of the suits. Oh, my... And fan mail. And fan mail. It was a long time to get there. It did. Yeah. It took a while to get there. But yeah. it got, I got there eventually. My, my first graduate assistantship in college, it pretty much paid for ever all of my graduate classes with a stipend. And the reason I got it was because I did an impression of Strong Bad at the interview. <laughs> <laughs> Three months after I got it, my boss basically said, that's the reason I hired you, is because it showed you had a sense of humor. Uh, can, you, can you share? So my favorite was when he got his, uh, his uh, the 386. He's like, I'm home. Let's see. I don't need this anymore. I don't need this anymore. Or behold, the 386. A spectacle of graphics and sound. <laughs> that seems like that would be a good last question to finish on. Yeah, like something. Really so some no, but something you did that was unexpected that stood out and helped you get a job or get an interview or get past one of those humps. Some interesting, different thing that you did that got you there. Well, I don't know how interesting or different this is, but some people may uh, think about where. Uh, they worked in the past and think about all the stuff that's not relevant or it was a long time ago so maybe I should put this on the resume now what I have done with with a resume is I shortened how I explained my past experience by stylistically thing turned out the last person who interviewed me for the job I'm working in well, uh, worked at the same company several years ago like I did uh, and that was a very good connection. So, I mean, sometimes it could be the very social stuff, but you never know. Like, did it, it is a lot of, the most common one is they went to the same college. Now, you don't want to... That never happens. You never <laughs> want to bank on the whole college. Unless you, went, <laughs> unless you went to Oberlin. Right, right. Oh. Yeah. You're, it's going to work if you went to Oberlin. Yeah. Or, <laughs> I mean, it's still probably too. But... Uh, <laughs> But you want to be you want to be careful not to like overuse because the thing about the college thing is that when you're when you went to the same college, it's obvious. Like you go on a LinkedIn profile, it's really obvious. It may be worth though finding out where some if they if they list their former employers, like the people working. Did you work there before? Because you know, it, even if it's not someone that you ever worked with at the same time, uh, you might find that actually will be a conversation point. Because a lot, of, a lot of the things that stand out are related. It's all relatedness. Whether it's something very, I wanted to just make the mundane point because you use the interesting point already. It could be mundane or it could be really interesting. But if you really find something that makes someone relate to you, that always. And that's particularly too in politics, communications, journalism. Right. Someone has like some, like went to your school. They know the same shit you learned. They're more likely right. to pay attention to you. But you also want even to, if they weren't there yeah. at the same time, yeah. Yeah. They, did you have Did you have Kemp? Kemp was a nightmare. Did you have Kemp? Yeah. Like yeah. They, they can talk to it about a teacher you had together or something. Yeah. Connection. Any I connection. Talk about landmarks from Boulder. Yeah. Because everyone knows Boulder, whether you live there or not. If you visited Colorado, you know about Boulder. Yeah. And I grew anything up there, gets you in the so door. People, connection is what it is. People can connect with me from that. I literally cried in front of someone. <laughs> no, I mean, like, and this, like, goes back to, like, the first time I was working at USA Today, like, and I quit my job. My old boss, who made the connection, she brought someone with her, 
Um, and we were sitting in front. I remember this very clearly. Because I was at a journalism conference. I had just quit my job. I had no idea what I was doing. We're sitting in front of the Millennium Beam in Chicago. And I like, we got Chipotle. And she's just like, Jessica, what happened? And I just broke down. Because I was really upset. And it had been a while. And she brought this woman that I had never met in my life. And I'm just like, I'm crying in front of this human being. I don't know you. And she emailed me. The person who I'd never met emailed me. And I was like, so we have this contracting show. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, oh, that's like the nicest thing anyone said to me like in a week. Thank you. And that's how I got that job. I cried. I cried in front of a human being. I have no shame. Love it. So, so I have a question on researching your potential employer before an interview. How much social media stalking is too much when you're... Like, specifically when you're applying for a private client or family, like, how much information should I know about this family before I walk in? Should I find them on Facebook? Should I stalk them on Instagram? What, what is too much? Like, what's yeah. the level? What is appropriate? Like, I say stalk and then think about how you would approach dating. Right? Like, you don't... But I'm bad at that, too. I'm really bad at that, too. We're all bad at that. But, like, you know, you will stalk so you know, but because knowledge is power... Maybe don't bring up that you saw that they went to like Giant yesterday and they some doctors. I'm just saying. So, but you know, the way to think about that is do it not the way that people have done it to you, right? Or right. the way you would do it. Think about okay. what you would be weirded out by if someone totally. had done it. Exactly. Put yourself in their shoes. It's easy. So, be, if someone if, if someone knows what I ate for breakfast three weeks ago, I'm gonna be weirded out, even if I posted it. <laughs> Because I why are you remembering awesome. what I had for breakfast three weeks ago? That's weird. It's if awesome. they're talking about what movie was their favorite movie and they've talked about it for a week straight, then bring that up. Consider it, <laughs> con- pretend like consider I know it this, though. In, in, in this day and age, it's like, unless you're really, unless you're like, I don't know, over 50 and you have no idea how social media actually works, you know, hey. you're going to... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if my employer, um, I know I didn't disclose, I probably made a very strong hand, but if they figured out this and didn't say hey, they'd probably fire me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's also completely false, and I can tell you why later, because I work with 30,000 plus senior volunteers. I don't personally work with an organization of 30,000 plus senior volunteers who definitely know how to use the computer. Finish up. You're in the middle of a point. If they have some... If they have some things, you should, most people uh, know how to at least keep certain profiles private and right. and, yeah. pu- and things public. Like I said, if you were like, you know, unless you're just completely living under a rock or, you know, you don't know how to use social media, you should know how to do that. And so if you know how, and so if you want something to be public, you know, just look it up and it'll be public. And it's like, yeah, I want everyone to know what I had for dinner last week because it was so awesome, you know, and it's like, <laughs> cool, there it is, you know. Anything oh, yeah, you saw that. DK. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, if it's private and you want it to be private, you're not going to know about it, you know. I also think there's a difference between knowing it before they know who you are and right. knowing. So if, you, if you've applied and you know their name, then you can look up more things than you would if you're talking to them before having applied. They know have no idea who you are and you're saying some stuff out of the blue off their social media, that's probably creepy and it's yeah. not going to work out well. If you've applied, they've seen your name and they say, okay, well, of course this person is now going to look me up. And you say something that's obvious on social media after that, that's a big difference then. Have, yeah. have you as a nanny found that there are some parents, like moms and dads, who like they'll post 
all their ba- all the stuff that their baby does because they think it's so cute and like they want everyone yeah. to know about it. Yeah, there's there's Instagram mommies and then there's <laughs> social media is the devil parents. Mm-hmm. Right. And like finding the balance between those because like I have a personal <laughs> philosophy that unless I have explicit permission per picture, I will not post anything yeah. publicly that Which involves their children. And yeah. like and, and that's even, like, I'm related to one of my nanny kids. And, like, I don't post auntie pictures without permission from adults. And I don't think any human should post any pictures of any minor without explicit permission from their yeah. legal guardian. But, but if mom's posting pictures constantly. But if mom's constantly. posting pictures constantly, like, it's a good thing to know going in. Um, right. If they're, like, a really strict air toward the side of paranoia helicopter or if they want everyone to see what their children are doing every moment of every day. Because they're still so sick and cute. Yeah. And it gives me a good like judge of will they expect me to send them pictures 18,000 times a day or do they just want like an end of the day recap? And that's a good thing to know going in. Because so I can adjust my. <laughs> as, as a nanny, I have to adjust my style based on the parenting styles of Absolutely. each individual you should be family. A photography on your resume. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but I don't have any official qualifications. I just like. Do you have an Instagram? So it sounds like knowing the parents' a social media policy on their children would it be a good thing? Going it would be. It would be. Absolutely. Very good thing. I, yeah. So if you already have that on your resume, definitely do it. Of course, I, I guess when I shut it down, Nasser over the 50 plus remark, I should make a point of not judging a book by its cover. <laughs> because, uh, Generally, it's hard to find employers that are 50 plus in my line of work. Well, I understand that. But, Generally, uh, they don't have infants almost, when they're 50 Almost plus. impossible. That is definitely not. But a lot of times, there are grandparents not, not who, anymore, have, but almost. who have grandchildren. That, that is definitely not the More case than, in other industries. Earlier than 1980. <laughs> And only just to, only just to make the point that uh, I really think that's one of the value adds about what we talk about. Social media helps us, so we should talk about what if they're not really strong on social media, and we can't stop them because they're super locked, super tight. Because this is going to happen a lot when you're looking for a job. Uh, not everybody's huge on social media, but you definitely don't want to assume because you couldn't find their social media pro- uh, product that. They uh, don't do it. In fact, they are better at you than that because you couldn't find it. Yeah. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Most people's Facebook private. Right. It's for their friends. For their friends and friends of friends. Yeah. Or whatever. Or like there's so many levels. But however, one thing we haven't talked about, you do need to Google yourself because if you've yeah. been on a volleyball or a softball team at your high school, like your you're name on is there. gonna come up. Like, it sounds like personal experience. <laughs> yeah, so, that may be the only place it comes up, but I, I learned that there are many Aaron Hopkinses that are like also physical fitness people. So sometimes I'll get a request and I'm like, oh, that's the other one. Like, let me, <laughs> let me shoot you over there. But definitely, if you have not done so, Google yourself so that you can see like pictures. Nothing like incriminating came up on mine, but I'm just like, how the hell is this in the interwebosphere? Like, let me go. Like stuff you posted on MySpace when you were 12. 100%, yes. <laughs> my like <laughs> Michelson cover, you know, that I did when I was 15. Right? Yeah. I like how specific your examples um, are. Always. Specificity. I have a Google alert for my name. <gasps> so smart. I have to know. You have to. 
Yeah. 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 Yeah.
that is like don't set your goals based on what you think you should be doing like someone mentioned earlier like don't set a goal to send out 50 resumes a day like figure out what is the most beneficial and is going to be the most valuable a lot of clients that i work with they're like i'll send out a few resumes like when they come along but what i really need to do is find one networking event per week to go to or i just need to reach literally this guy was like so nervous about reaching out to this former colleague i was like just say like hey who do you know that i could maybe talk to about this if you're nervous about saying like who do you know that's hiring or do you have a job say like just say like hey i was just checking in like you know anyone who might be in this field even if it's like that's the person that you want that you know that you're sending the email to and then that kind of gives them an, an easy out. So like just find something that's really like gonna return the most on your time, energy, like mental sanity investment and do that. Like just do it once a week so that you can feel good about yourself. So somebody to finish on that and then we'll, you have a question. So that well, like, two. so that like, so people, no, I forgot, go ahead. I'll come back to it. <laughs> Sorry. That was really good. No, I knew it was gonna happen. Oh no. Yeah, go ahead. No, to go off of what she just said, um, how awkward would it be for me to like crash my friend's networking events and be like, Hey, do you know anyone with a baby? Cause like, it's not, it's not a nanny networking event, but question. networking yeah. with other nannies is only so beneficial because they all have jobs as nannies and therefore they don't need to talk about other nanny jobs. I actually jobs. think that you really do need it. Like, I think that's up yeah, to your no. friend. If, yeah. if it doesn't burn your friend's bridges, then go for it. Yeah. Because yeah. it feels really, really awkward, but I need to find people who do other things yeah. right. who also have children. Yeah. Talking to nannies is great, and I get a lot of support and a lot of empathy, but I don't get a lot of connections. They're your well, yeah, competition. They're your competition. <laughs> so I don't, like... Is it okay to be like, hey, uh, hey, uh, do you do you happen to have a baby or know anyone who does? Here's my card. Dude, I will tell you the easiest thing that I've done that has gotten me the most clients. I just say like, hey, what do you do? Or hey, what's up with you? And then eventually that question comes back around to me just because of the natural like, yeah, it, it's DC right yeah. so like well, everyone's just like hey like and they want to talk about what they do and then they are going to naturally just ask and all you have to do is just like it's a networking event you have as much right to be there like I mean make sure it's, it's okay with like your so friends but at the end of the like if it's a networking event and you don't really know anyone there it's a networking event at the end of the day and you're yeah. there to meet people for whatever reason that is that's yeah. the point of networking it's awkward because it I feel like I, I go to these <laughs> events with people with like what I consider grown-up jobs where you communicate with other grown-ups <laughs> and do things within four grown-ups. And I tell them what I do and they're like, oh, so you just like play all day? You don't have a real job? And then my confidence just gets buried. I mean, if I were in just... So those are just bad people. Yeah. Just yeah. Move right. But those are That's everywhere. Not... Sure, yes, yeah. bad people. Yeah. Donald Trump is president. They're everywhere. So bad people are everywhere. Like, <laughs> so so how, how do you know what networking event or opportunity will be beneficial for you versus just a giant aggravating waste of time? I think you need to approach networking the same way you approach applying for a job. Like Jonathan said, don't just apply for 50 jobs. 
don't just go to every networking event yeah. that you see because if well, just, you know if, you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you hear networking event, actually, I almost say like stay, unless it's like a, yeah. a, a, a niche for a specific industry, stay the hell away if it's like a general networking event, because it's just a bunch of people handing out business cards. We're going to really get out of that event. If it's a niche industry, then yes, it's a little bit more useful, but I also understand that there's another uh, issue that you come come around with is like if you're going in a community practice where everybody else in there is a nanny, everybody else is a young professional that doesn't have a job. I've, Everyone's fighting I've, for the I've same been in this situation shit. before when I ran a young, like that's one of the reasons why I'm not doing it anymore because it didn't, you know, it helped to a degree. And I got people in to give good advice when I did job networking and career group. But the thing is, everybody coming in was also, they were also young professionals. You actually really need to build a group. I really think more to how we assemble this group here and think more, don't like really think about um, outside and don't think in the box that this is a networking event. I really would say like, do you like music? What kind of like music do you like? And you, and even think, what do you like that old, like even like. I mean, I do have to say the first, the first series of this podcast series, I got a job from. Nice. Yeah. So, like, just by so showing shabby. up, just by showing no, up. No, I'm just saying I, thank you. That's what I've you did that. been doing like <laughs> right. not not steady care, but care for someone's child who I met at that event, which is really awesome. Yeah. And like, probably the biggest thing, like, I, I was very introverted when I was younger, and not so much anymore. This is mainly a group of recovering introverts. That's what this is. Oh, yeah. It's a group of recovering introverts. The biggest advice that like shattered my world and changed everything for me was when I was like talking about being nervous about talking to someone else to a mentor. Like I was, I was telling a mentor this, and he was like, Hey, guess what? It's just as awkward for the other person too. And specifically, networking events are just awkward. It's not just you. Like I feel like I have to be sober to be coherent, but I'm so <laughs> uncomfortable that I just yeah. want to down mimosas like I am right now. As does <laughs> you gotta hit there's that sweet spot. Yeah. So it's right. like in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, Tony Stark was talking to Peter Parker and he said, Don't do anything I would do, but also don't do anything. I wouldn't do. Right. So There's it's a, a really window. narrow a window. window. Yeah. Absolutely. I really like that line, Kenny. It's yeah. such a great line. It's such a great movie. But, but I mean, if you if you think about it, you um, and it's hard because you do have to find the right window. I think you need to probably stay within your interest areas to some degree. You, you could, you, I, I think, think my interest you, areas is just working for rich people. So but, that's what I need. So, but to here's do. the thing: is go to like of, so go to the <laughs> liberal marketing events and go to the like Democratic Party ones. Yeah. And then, so yeah. the, like yeah. they're going to be people that are. My worst fear is working for Republicans. Well, so then don't go to places Which is where what they're I'm at. Doing right. right now. Right, and that yeah. seems like the event you're going but to. You're talking to people, people. that aren't. The service you're doing to their yeah. children. That is yeah. true. Maybe that's it's true. maybe just to reevaluate your your criteria. Well. What I ideally want to do is just not a sustainable life based on cost of living in this state or for not now, state. Or right now. It is for somebody. So, so I have to make some sort of ethical it is for compromises Obama's in order to be able to survive. It is for the here. Obama's name. 
So the Obamas the need to get lots of money. I want to be in a classroom. But if I go into a classroom as an infant teacher, I'm going to make $12 an hour yeah. tops, and I can't afford rent on that. Well, and one valuable thing that I think you guys had, like, a little side conversation on is you had said, like, which networking events do I go to? How do I know? And can you yeah. say trial and error? You just <laughs> That means just to go to go. all of them. Just and all then you'll know, them. like, Republicans, like, or whatever, you know, <laughs> like networking a- event. Like, you're like, not so much. Or you might be surprised. Like, one mm-hmm. that you think is going to be a bust is actually super... Or go somewhere like a Planned Parenthood a networking event. Yeah. I've noticed a pattern. Where it's very specifically parenthood, but... It's a pattern in my life. I work for librarians. Literally I'm not sure how or why, but there. I work for librarians. They have networking events. In fact, there used to be a librarian they, they karaoke night here my, on Tuesdays. What? It was yeah, all librarians amazing. here on Tuesday night. Yep. Yeah. They appreciate my style of learning and literacy. Love it. Oh, yeah, so that other one was so like when it goes back to like calling in favors. So everybody's afraid to call in a favor because if the person says no, then you've wasted that favor. If they said no to helping you find a job, you didn't have that favor in the first exactly. place. So use them. That's what they're there for. They're there for jobs, number one, more than anything else. That's why you build up favors with people and networking and stuff. Is like, hey, someday I'll help you find a job if someday you help me find a yeah. job. That's the whole point of it. And if they won't do that, then they, you didn't have that connection anyway. So you're not blowing it. You're not wasting it. If you try that when they say no, you never had it in the first place. And then, so. hey, you don't have to waste any more time with this person. Yeah. So it's still a benefit. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you don't have to waste time investing time on this person that'll pay off later. Right. If yeah. you know it's not going to pay off, then, then yeah. no. People, and I know that's hard. It's yeah. very hard, but all of this stuff is hard, so that's the oh, point. Yeah. You know, but getting the things that are completely useless out of your way, like investing three years in someone that doesn't really like you and isn't going to help you in the f- anyway, anyway yeah. you should know that at the beginning of those three years, not right. the end. Know your, audience, know your audience. Know your audience. Know your audience. And I'm actually going to say know yourself and know what yeah. it is that you want. Don't go into the saying, I don't want this. Go into saying, what is the thing that I want? And that may not be a job title or an industry. That may just be, how do I want to spend my time for the next portion of my life? Mm -hmm. And along with that, your next job is not your last job, probably. So you probably want to think about, what do I want to be doing right now with my time? And that's, I mean, that's how I've always guided myself. And I, you know, thankfully have no regrets in that area. Um, So that's the advice I give everyone. I'll go back to what Aaron said at the beginning was that if you focus on a very specific job or a very specific location, you're starting off with a failure. Mm -hmm. You have to be open-ended and think, I want this type of job, and you don't know where that type of job exists. You have to explore and find it. That job may take you a lot of work to find that that job exists, but if you keep looking and said, somewhere out there, this job exists, maybe I'll look here, maybe I'll look there, maybe I'll look this way. Maybe I'll try a different industry to find the job I'm looking for. And that worked for me. I worked in politics for years and hated every minute of it. And then I switched to labor. Basically doing the same stuff, but coming from a completely different point of view. And it was the same work. And I went from hating every day of my job to loving every day of my job. And so it's looking around is the very key. It's just exploration. It's just trial and error. It's all these things. Yeah, and well, networking is yeah, another LinkedIn is actually a good idea because it allows you to uh, have other people look that otherwise might not find you. Like you have a you have a uh, a, pers- a, a uh, profile presence at least. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's important. Uh, I got my last job that way. I posted my resume. Post your resume. Put it on sites. Yeah. yeah. 
don't you know don't don't have any shame in and even go on LinkedIn. And the funny thing is, they may not have even been looking for it. They're like, oh, I do need a nanny. That might happen. Well, so there, go on LinkedIn. Go and the other on. key is also, so other people have never gotten a job that way. Yeah. And then there, the thing yeah. that there's one way to do it is completely yeah. right. fantastical. But it would be there's really nice to like, be told that this is how you do it, and then you do oh, it. Sorry. Life would be amazing. Like, it would be so great if it was like, the way you do it is X, Y, and Z. The guaranteed way to do it is to everything at the board until something sticks eventually. Yeah, it's not X, Y, and Z. It's the It's also the most nightmarish and painful way to do it. The way to do it is to not listen to the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh.